Every week we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast, where we talk with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community. Today we have Manny Guerra. Uh, did I do that right? And I roll my R's right? I don't know. I like that. That was, that was a good attempt. I'll that was a good attempt. All right. Good attempt. Uh, okay. That's uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get on. As you can see, Manny's quite a personality. Gold medalist, uh, hockey player from Salt Lake City, bronze in Torino, recent inductee into the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee Hall of Fame, which was just two weeks ago. Manny, welcome and congratulations. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me today. <laughs> this is amazing. So not only were you inducted, but you were actually the guy who got up there and talked and represented the whole team. How, how did that work? I mean, you were the goalie, right? Is it the goalie that they defer to? Well, you it's, weren't uh, the captain. How did you yeah, end up being the guy who ended, got up yeah, and talked? Yeah, so, uh, you know, in hockey, at least when I played, right, the goalies could never be captains in, in you know, IHF roles, right? So I was a figurehead, you know, even though I wasn't officially a captain, I was a captain, right? So um, the guys know I have the gift of gab. Uh, to your point, I'm kind of a personality. So they, uh, <laughs> they actually voted on it. Right. So, uh, the uh, Rick, our coach, Rick Middleton, former Bruin said, Hey, you know, we're going to vote on it, but my votes for Manny. Right. So he kind of set the, the tone right? and, uh, and we just went with it. You know, everybody knows like, you know, and I, I think, you know, to your point, Chris, right. It's, uh, when you're up there, uh, it's not a personal speech. It's not like I can talk, I, you know, I talk about my experience and my parents and my family and what I, what they did to support me. It has to be balanced. So it took me, I don't know, it took me three, four days to figure it out, right. Uh, to kind of just go back, you know, I have the history with uh, sport going all the way back to its inception in 1990. So um, I just whittled through um, all the people that were important that uh, kind of made the game uh, brought it to the next level. Right. So uh, once I got some rhythm and figured out how much time I had, I just went with it. And so, yeah. What did that feel like though? Cause I mean, you're there, you guys are there as your team and we're going to talk about the, the, the journey that you guys had as a team, but you're there with Michael Phelps who won more Olympic medals than anybody else. Trisha Zorn who won more Paralympic medals than anybody else. Michelle Kwan, Mia Hamm, Lindsey Vaughn, uh, Dave Kiley, who, what, I mean, like three different Paralympic sports. I mean, like, this is, you're dropped in. I was passing out some of the awards and I was passing out some of the awards with Dorothy Hamill. I mean, like, people still know with that haircut, right? I mean, like, you were surrounded by all this. What did that feel like for you? Uh, and Muffy Davis, don't forget. And Muffy Davis, no, yeah, no, yeah. It's just, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, when we got selected as nominees uh, in the team category, uh, I didn't realize who the class was. And once I read the details, Billie Jean King, right? Uh, then you got, uh, uh, what's her name? Coach um, Pat Summit. Pat Summit, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Billie Jean King for me is a legend, right? So just to, just, you know, I read the list and I just kind of like went, wow. You know, it's like my mouth just dropped open. I'm like, holy criminy, that's crazy. So, um, 
I, I think it just proves that what we did was, was something very special. Uh, you know, it's an underdog story and uh, it just kind of lends credibility to what that meant at the time, 20 years ago to, to the sport of sled hockey, right? The spark that they say, the spark that started the fire, right? It started all these grassroots uh, programs all over the country. But for me personally, it was, uh, it was surreal. Um, it brought me back to think about my parents, the sacrifices. Um, and when I say sacrifice, I mean literal sacrifice. My mom died a week after I was born and uh, I, was one, I was the root cause. I, you know, I was not supposed to be around. So uh, to have my dad remarry and have my stepmom kind of work through my disability at, at a young age, and, and be polio, that. right? Yeah, polio. I contract I contracted polio in uh so when my mom died, I ended up in Mexico for a quick jaunt while my dad got the house in order. And so um they, you know, I can't prove it, but I was exposed to the virus probably there and then contracted it and then came back once uh once my dad found out. But so, anyways, you get all these feelings, uh all these people that were in your life that brought you to this moment and uh it's kind of indescribable, you know, uh, to have uh, your your legacy etched along with that class. Uh, you know, to you know, too bad my, my parents are around, but to have my family, my kids experience that, my friends experience that. Um, you know, I still get, I'm still getting hit up on social media congr- with congratulations, and um, it just, it's humbling. It really is. It's just, there, there's no words to describe that that uh, that those feelings, you know probably a bunch of words, but yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you said you were there from the beginning. Yeah. You guys as a team were not supposed to be there in 2002. You were there because the U S was hosting the games. Correct. Yeah. So two years you prior, the bad news bears really. I mean, you guys, yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, one international competition before running the table in Salt Lake. Right. Yeah. If we, I mean, if we, if I think back, we just didn't have the, 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 the depth that other countries had in the experience. And really, that's really what it comes down to. We had several coaches, right. We had our coach in 1998 and, and it's crazy to think that just four years prior to that, right. You, you were in the, you were in Nagano, Japan, our first Paralympics. We had a coach by the name of Angelo Bianco who, who brought us to that next level. Uh, I think we came in fifth out of six teams. Uh, and then to have just, you know, transport yourself four years later uh, and you have, you know, Angelo resigned two years prior in Salt Lake at the World Championships in 2000. We came in last and it was it was a mess. We, we just, we didn't have the right athletes. Uh, we didn't have the right system. And so um, for two years, um, we, you know, there was clubs that were around the country and one club in particular, which I was a member of at one time, the RSC Blackhawks really put resources into that program and they developed and were able to attract some really good athletes. So just in that two year gap, we, we grabbed some additional athletes that were incredible. So this is in Chicago then? Yes, correct. So uh, eight or nine of the players on the uh, Paralympic team were Blackhawk, you know, club players. You know, I had resigned the, the year prior, but it was refreshing to have a program uh, uh, put resources, financial resources into it to get the right equipment, to get ice time, which was a premium. Uh, they, you know, I used to fly down to Chicago just to skate on the weekends, right, and get as much ice time as I could with that club team. Uh, 
so I, I, you know, it started taking shape, you know, so after coming in last in 2000, that was not a good feeling. Um, what I do remember is the people of Salt Lake City, um, as we were leaving the arena, were patting us on the back and just saying, hey, you know, keep your head up, you know, you, know, you, you can't get, you, you're going to go up from here, right? You can't get any lower. And I remember that, distinctly remember that, all the volunteers, they were, they were just superb humans. And, uh, and then to have the right athletes all of a sudden show up, uh, to have Angelo resign, to, to look for a new coach, you know, Rich the Glopper, our team manager, the architect, worked with John Schatzline, who was alive at the time, the, the founder uh, of the sport, to kind of work out, you know, how, how are we going to select and, and what's going to be the makeup of the 2002 team. Uh, and then uh, we started making equipment changes around the same time. So it literally, you know. And then what do you mean by equipment changes? Yeah, so... Um, one of the things that we always talked uh, talked about and we tested was most uh, most skating systems under a sled were three and a half inches to three inches apart. You know, so if you can imagine, you have two blades that are this far apart. So to get up on edge takes a lot more energy, right? You know, it'd be so, a lot further over. In order correct, to correct. So what yeah. we did is we started bring we brought it down to an edge, <laughs> and that created this. So. Uh, with 9-11 happening uh, and us not, and, and the other thing that's amazing, we didn't travel anywhere. We didn't play anybody in 2000, leading up to 2002. 9-11 happened. We shut down for a year. We just did camps. We didn't play any, nobody else, right? And so to not have any live competition until you get to Salt Lake was nuts, right? Unheard of. Do you have any idea how good you were or how good you weren't going in? I knew, I knew we were going to be good. Did I know we were going to, you know, make that run? No, I believe we could make it, but I, it wasn't until we played Norway that I, I think it was game two. I think we won two to one. I mean, to me, I looked at Norway as a powerhouse. I've been playing them since 1990. So for and they won in 98 in Nagano. Cor correct. Yep. So for 12 years, uh, you know, I'm chomping at the bit and I know that's the team that, that we need to get over. So, so making that equipment change, I knew that was going to be a big, a big, uh, big eye opener. Right. And so actually I'm, it, I'm actually glad we did it when we did it because nobody saw it, you know, it was within the rules. There's nothing wrong with it. Anybody could have done it, but we were the first team to do it. And so, um, yeah, the rest is history. Once we made that change, now it's now now everybody does it. If not, you know, maybe even half an inch or even closer now. But but that was to me was a big technical um, change. What does that, that do as a difference? The equipment change yeah. because it's not doing your 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 straight ahead speed, right? No, it's just your lateral your 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 maneuver your your maneuverability from left to right to be able to get around somebody right to get up on edge quicker than he can. So, and is uh, this paras and amputees who are doing it? Yeah, we had paras. We had paras on our on our O2 team. Yeah, so these are both. Granted, the paras may have not gone down to an inch, right, as aggressive, but they may have gone down to two and three quarters, or you know, uh, maybe a half inch, you know, less. Whatever their preference was, right. So whatever we had, we had a couple of kits where we could test. We had, you know, three, uh, two and a half, and went all the way down to one inch. So we could we could take that skate system and put it on and the uh, person could try it out and see what, see where their comfort level was. Right. What's your setup like 
as mine is adult. mine is completely different mine is like a frankenstein uh, so uh the funny part is i'm a i'm a techie guy so i look at solutions and and try to you know work work smarter not harder so uh as a goalie you first of all you have no lateral movement you know just front and back you have no you have you have on the outside of the glove like your catcher's glove i had uh when I first started playing in the nineties, I had like bolts coming through literally like bolts. And then I would just hacksaw the tip so that it creates some sort of spike. Right. So you can maneuver yourself on. Yeah. The so I can, so I can use the backside of the hand and grab the, this, you know, the left side of the ice. And then on the, on the right side of my hand, I had a, a goalie stick with some picks on it. And, um, and, and so I was able to pivot, you know, and then go forward and come back. Uh, with my legs crossed, you know, shorten the sled and all that. But um, it wasn't until... What about underneath the sled? I mean, so often in hockey, we hear five hole, right? Yeah, so there wasn't really a five hole because you're three and a half inches off the ice. And, and so you have your skate system and you have the front of the sled, which is like a, a UP shape of aluminum that sits about a half inch off the ice. It's just a touch point. So it really doesn't touch the ice. Uh, but you can still get it under. I mean, you can still shove it, you know, flat, flat side puck, even a rolling puck could get under. Um, and, and, and now the rules have changed, but that's a whole nother conversation. So uh, what I started doing is I, uh, I took a track shoe, uh, like a Nike track shoe and cut the sole all the way down to the plastic. And then I cut the, I cut the front sole in half. And then I actually created holes in that track shoe, uh, which had the picks already aligned and hold out. And then I just would simply sew it on to the backside and then I would just screw my picks in. And that was my system. And it, it was a system that I used for, for a long time uh, from 1998 to 2002. And it worked, it worked superb. Yeah. And other, other goalies started doing it. So these um, are track spikes. How sharp are they? I mean, this is, I mean, you, you know, you're talking about what three, four millimeters They're different sizes. Right. And I would always get, um, I would, I would always get told that, you know, or check my stuff was always checked because they wanted to make sure the spikes were not real long, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a, it's a competition thing, right? So anytime you challenge the rules and you're within the rules, you know, you're going to get looked on or looked upon. So I did that. And then I, I redesigned my goalie stick. I added some more teeth to it, if you will, like on the elbow, created a pick for the elbow. And that changed, that changed a lot of things for me, from a mobility standpoint. So the, but the elbow, biggest, so like you could put the stick basically like more flat. So if you, have a, yeah, if you have a goalie stick that's flat on the ice, right on the elbow uh, is a U, half a U piece shape of metal with teeth. So it allowed me to put the, the blade down, cover, but if I needed to pivot, all I had to do was raise it a half an inch and I could grab ice and rotate, right? So I could still, yeah, I could still move around with the, basically I could move around with the blade on the, on the ice, but still grip the ice, right? It was subtle enough. As opposed to taking your blade of your stick. Correct. As opposed, yeah, as opposed to lifting it up using the, the typical, you know, the typical butt end of the stick. Yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was a change that I made and people started using that too. But the biggest thing that I did was uh, a long time ago, I had an idea of, instead of using blades, metal blades, was doing a combination of plastic blades and metal blades so that I could slide sideways and then if I wanted to get up on edge, I could grab the ice and, and push, you know, go in whatever direction the blade was pointing uh, to. So I figured that out. I developed a system that I could use my elbows, 
push off from one post and slide all the way across to the other post and they come back, <laughs> you know? So that system, it, you know, it took me a while, but I got it. So what I did is I just put a plastic runner, very similar to the plastic uh, material that's on the boards at a hockey rink, you know, the plastic boards. Um, you'll see that top on it where the glass goes on. I don't remember the material, but I would just take that and work on it so that it slid right inside and it just rested on the channel aluminum where the blade insert is. And then I would just attach the blade on the outside and raise it so that it was not touching on the ice, but would when I tilted, right? So that to me was a kind of a game changer. And I think now everybody does it or has something that, that allows them to move sideways, right? I think Jen Lee has it. I know Cash was using it, I think. So, yeah. And you were successful as a goalie early on. I mean, I referred to you guys as the bad news bears, but you weren't really Engelberg, right? I mean, you were, you were an all-star goalie. Even yeah, I won. I won my share of awards since I started. You know, I think uh, my first tournament uh, up in Ottawa, 1990, 91, I think it was. I won. I won uh, All Star goalie. So my first tournament ever. You know, they said I was the best goalie, but granted, I was taking sixty shots. You know, you know, letting in maybe four goals. You know, so and, and yeah, those were just a different time. But uh, no, I mean, I, I, I. I played that position when I was a kid. I always gravitated towards it and to be able to do it, you know, get out of my, my chair or put my crutches down. Like I said in the speech, it just gives you that sense of freedom. So it just made, it just, it just made me at a, at a, you know, 20 year old kid, 21 year old young man. It made me a kid again. So I just gravitated towards that position and kept working on the craft. So technical stuff, you guys are changing where the blades are. You're refining where your blades are. Yep. Uh, you had 9-11, you weren't yeah. able to train. What did this seem like? And, and and there was a bit of a new system, right? I mean, Rick Middleton came in yeah. as yeah, we the had coach. A, yeah, we had a he new was implementing coach. a system that he was talking about, like with, with the Bruins back in the early 70s. I mean, it's, it's a decent selling point when you're saying, okay, I want Sylvester to be our Bobby Orr kind of thing. No, and, and you know, you know we, we trained – we trained where we could train, right? We would get together, you know, line 11 was happening. Everybody was freaked out about traveling. So, uh, you know, we gravitated to different parts of the country to train, uh, you know, whether it's upstate New York, like Placid, whether it was Texas, whether, you know, I don't remember exactly all the places we trained, but, but I think Rick, um, like I said, in my speech, he made it simple for us. You know, he, he, you know, there were some funny moments, you know, where he, you know, like, you said you heard you probably heard this before or not but i think our first practice we we're doing drills and he wanted to skate backwards well that's you can't really do that effectively in competition you can kind of do it if you're screwing around but to do it in a game you can't right so once we got that nuance out of the way um he was able to make a read on how we skate you know and how we you know how the puck moves and and, 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 and the type of creativity that, you know, you can create on your own, right? Once he saw people uh, doing, you know, doing their own dangles and their, and, you know, using their offhand, um, granted, you know, um, there was only a few guys that could use their offhand and shoot today. I think every kid that's on the team can shoot left-handed or right-handed, but uh, back then it was, you know, it was, you know, he was just able to take it all in and then design something that was very simple. And so for him to say, I'm going to take my most maneuverable guy on the ice. Uh, and, and Sly has, you know, he had the smarts too, you know, he could share the puck. Um, 
And, uh, but he had, it really, it was a speed and maneuverability uh, that created a lot of openings for, you know, on the weak side for a lot of guys, you know, so he fed the puck to quite a few guys and, uh, and, you know, it worked. Yeah. What's it like to bring somebody like Rick in? I mean, he was an all-star. He was almost a thousand point, uh, point guy, like a point per game guy in the NHL, but he hadn't seen any of what you guys were doing. So he knew hockey, but as you said, the skating backwards part, didn't realize that part of it. Right. Right. It was, uh, I mean, for me personally, you know, I mean, the first thing you do is look him up, right? I looked those stats up. I knew who he was, right? I knew he was, a. You know, and Rick, don't get mad at me if you're watching, if I call you an old timer, you know, but, but he's a living God in Boston. I don't know if you like, I've been in Boston with him and I swear they worship the, the, the floor he walks on. So um, he did something right over there. And so I looked him up and I was impressed with his career. And then I looked up some videos, right. Uh, once the announcement was made that he was our head coach, um, he had really soft hands. They called him, uh, they call him nifty. Nifty. If you're if your nickname is Nifty, like that's nifty. a lot of people like, have really appreciated what you do on the ice. It's something. It's something like my dad would say. That's pretty nifty there. No, but uh, yeah, his nickname was Nifty. So then uh, I started looking at videos. I'm like, dude, this guy was pretty damn good. Like he was a good. And and we've never had a player coach. Uh, you know, and when I say player coach, I'm talking about a guy that's played, you know, elite level, right? I'm talking about a coach that he's play you know park and rack hockey or played you know a grassroots somebody that played in Lille. so it was my first time of all the coaches that i've had where it was something different about him like he got certain things that we were feeling on the bench the way he talked it was like uh it was like just you know it was, it was refreshing to be honest right so um but i i remember i remember the craziest move and to this day i haven't seen this move where so, i think somebody faked this he fakes a slap shot from the top of the circle on the right side and the defenseman goes down and he doesn't go down and keep sliding like out of the way. He literally just is there in front of him and nifty just grabs the puck and literally just pops it right over him. And then comes in and, you know, goes, goes top shelf. I've never seen that move. Right? So he fakes a slap shot. Defenseman goes down, he skates over him and then just takes the puck with him. And then it goes top shelf on the right corner. I was like, okay, that guy's good. <laughs> yeah. So I was ecstatic. Um, I was excited. Uh, never met him before, obviously, but Rick is one of the most humble and genuine individuals that I've ever met, you know, and besides the fact that he was my coach, he's just a good human being, a hundred percent good human being. Yeah. Well, he came onto the stage with all of you guys and I was there, you know, cause I was passing stuff out or whatever. And he shook my hand and, and introduced himself. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm from Massachusetts. I know who you are. <laughs> I swear, if you ever get the experience to go to Boston and hang out with him, oh my God, it's it's like it's like President, you know, it's like John F. Kennedy's walking into the room or something. It's just crazy. But uh, I actually got invited to his uh, his uh, uh, number retirement ceremony, which was a few years back, and uh, a few of us went out there, uh, fellow teammates, Kip Saint Germain, Joe Howard, and Dan Henderson, and uh, along with Tom. And so when we got there, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be in the building, right? And we're hanging at the pre-festivity the pre parties in the, in the arena. And, you know, there's 
there's a uh, Bobby Orr and uh, Terry O'Reilly and all these guys like, Holy crap. You know, you got, then we meet the actual team down in the locker room. You got, I mean, it was just like crazy. Right. So, you know, the, the ceremony starting and uh, all right, we're going to go to a suite or something, you know, whatever, well, you know, where's our tickets. And then Rick's like, no, you're in the ceremony. <laughs> you're, you're like in center ice with the rest of the family. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So yeah. So us four, four teammates and, and including Tom, our assistant coach. Yeah. We're sitting there on the circle. His family's on, you know, one quarter of the circles, we're in the other look over and there's all like his old coach, Don Cherry and, and teammates. And I'm like, this is, this is bananas. Like this, I can't believe this is happening. And then to have be part of the ceremony, have the number raised to the rafters and um, yeah. And then go to the after party. The after party was insane. And, and I got to tell you a story. So, I, I'm wheeling back, I'm in my chair, wheeling back to the, the bar. I think it's called like the world's greatest or biggest bar. It's, it's like two blocks from the, from the, the arena and it, it's four stories of bars. And as I'm wheeling to the bar, people on the fans in the street are yelling, go Lee, go Lee. <laughs> And, and I'm like, what? And, and he, he literally just introduced me as the goaltender on the, you know, the gold medal winning team, you know? So he didn't say anything about me. There's no video. And I still have random fans. I mean, that's how avid the Boston sport fans are as it relates to anything that's sports. If you just give them a, a crumb, they eat the whole cookie. Like, it's just like, so I was just like laughing and, and super like, this is crazy. <laughs> Some wheeling to the bar. Yeah. So intense. Boston's intense. Yeah. But it shows so much respect that he had for you guys and for the experience that he had with you. Because in so many ways, it's easy to separate the NHL from the Paralympics. And one is way more important, but he's putting them on, on an equal par in a lot of ways. He's bringing you guys to what the greatest celebration of his career. Of his, of his, yeah. And I, and I got that. Like I, I, I measured it and said, this is crazy. Like he's, he's got so much love for us. And so do we, that he's, he, we're his family. We're part of his family and we're, he's putting it, he's talked about us. He talked about the movie that's, that's uh, that they're making. And I mean, to put it all together in your speech and wrap it all up like that, uh, it's mad love. Like, it's just, you're right, Chris. It's, it's, uh, it's unreal. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I haven't told a lot of people. Only a few people know this. <clears throat> Probably now, I don't know how many. But well, We're blasting out to millions here. So, so, so tell it well. So uh, when, uh, when we won the shootout, and uh, there's a lot of video of like where I'm skating towards Chris Mans, my one of my defensemen. And I dropped my gloves and my equipment and uh, he dropped his stuff. And then Rick is running behind him as well. Right. So we're all coming together. And so me and Chris just, just like, boom, you know, we come, we drop. Um, then Rick jumps on top of us and his, you know, I got my goalie mask on. So his face is right here and I can kind of see him, but I'm also raising my, my finger up in the air for whatever reason. My instinct was I got to get my hand up and go like number one, you know? So as that's going, Chris is screaming and Rick yells in my ear, this is my Stanley cup. And that I started crying like a baby. I was like, cause he's been what three times. Yeah. I think in the finals and hasn't won it. 
He wow. yelled at it. He said that in my ear. And I was like, explosion of tears. Yeah. So that that confirms what you just said, Chris, is that he's uh, he holds he holds us uh, this experience in the sport and the and the and the newfound family that he has as you know at, at its highest regard, right? So what an honor, right? Crazy. How much did he change the way that you guys looked at yourselves, right? I mean, this is a guy who's getting his number raised to the rafters, and he's now leading your team. Did that bring more confidence? Did that bring a swagger for you as the as the team that's getting in the back door? Yeah, we did. Well, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't get to the thing that we didn't experience. Is we experienced uh, practice, Rick Middleton, right? Um, it was. It was. We knew it was better. Uh, we knew he. You know, he was a, a, a very special individual. And even Tom. You know, Tom Moulton. Let's not forget about Tom Moulton, our assistant yeah. coach. Yeah they they they're best friends like they they're they're connected at the hip um tom has a hockey background as well tommy's uh tommy's a little bit more fire right so rick is a i'm not saying he's a softy because he's a 100 percent a competitor but he is he's just a more gentler you know he get mad and you know he's mad but he you know when you tommy got mad you knew you knew he was mad so to have those two good cop bad cop scenarios you know like it was a good it was a good mixture of, of two coaches right um but uh they both they both were able to pick up when we had a shitty practice and they would tell us you know tom would tom would say one thing and he challenged us right and we would come back and say hey tom you know is that better like you you're right we came out we dogged it you know, it was a shitty practice, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then Rick would also chime in in a different way. Right. So, but, but we didn't experience none of that except for just practice scenarios, right. Practice, um, you know, uh, at late at night or early in the morning, whatever. Right. So to get to a tournament for the first time, right. Literally first time. And this is the Paralympic tournament that you're talking about the first time in, in your backyard at the E center, which we just shit the bed in two years prior um to uh to get fired up for that first game against japan and actually beat him and then come back in the locker room and have him you know he did his pregame speech was very simple and chill uh, but then come back and and to to act the same way you know like okay we're, we got one we got you know we got five more to go and to, so even in the way that he talked about just winning a, a, a you know a game to us, we were static, but the, he just kept it, you know, he was level-headed. He kept it, you know, this is great that we won this first game, but we have a mission, a bigger mission, right? And it's one step at a time. One of the things that he did was he had an easel with with basically sheets of paper, and uh, he had written down all the teams we're going to play before going into the gold medal round. Uh, and so, you know, he had the MVP of the game come over and put the score and just cross it off you know, and then flip the sheet. So I think psychologically, that was his way of saying, this is how we're going to do this. And, you know, we're going to methodically, you know, get, to, you know, work one team, beat them, and then flip, flip the script, forget about that team, and go to the next team. And you're prepare supposed, for this. You're supposed to be here, it sounds like is what he was saying. But when you think about it, you guys had won one international game. Yeah. Prior to going into Salt Lake. So you beat Japan. That's a hundred percent more games 
<laughs> you have just won. Correct. That's two games now, right? And so four years later, you know, so uh, it, it just, you know, it, you know, you had a sense of patriotism. Uh, patriotism was, was, you know, was overflowing um, because of 9-11. Right. And and because it was Salt Lake and because it was in your backyard, because your you know, security detail is very high. Right. Everywhere we look, we had guys following us that, you know, said they weren't following us. Right. So we you take all that in and it, it's a, it's an advantage. It gets you it gets you pumped up, you know. Um, so to get that first game under a belt and beat Japan, um, who I remember the game against Japan in Nagano that we lost to that we were supposed to win. That was a weird game because I think the emperor came in or somebody came in that was high up and they stopped the game for like five minutes until he sat down. So that I've never seen that in a hockey game. So we had the momentum and we shit the bed after that. So, I, but that's another story, right? So uh, I don't know, Rick just had uh, to have Rick in real time um, game time, you know, see how he works, see how, you know, I, I, I'm on, I'm in the net, right? So I don't have the advantage of seeing how he works the bench, but talking to the guys that were there right after the game, uh, I, you know, I, I would notice some of the line changes, you know, I would notice some of the things he would yell out, some things he'd yell out at me, but uh, a lot of the guys that were on the bench, you know, coming in and out, um, they just, you know, they appreciated both of them and how they, they manage, manage the box, right. And get everybody in and out and, and remind everybody of the system uh, and, and just, you know, just got everybody up, you know? So, yeah. How about the dynamic of the team? You said that the team out of Chicago had been a progressive team, bunch of guys on that team ended up in this team. Yeah. You can't help but separate you guys or, or you can't help but include you guys in with the miracle team of 1980, right? 100%. Yeah. There was, you could argue there was a, well, there was no Minnesota East, you know, Massachusetts. Uh, 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 what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, dichotomy of the two or. Yeah. Well, you know, they the hated rivalry them. between yeah, the rivalry. That's the word I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. There was no uh, Minnesota, Massachusetts, you know, Ivy league kind of rivalry, but there was a Midwest, right. There was, there was a Blackhawks club uh, and we're the best. You know, and, you know, I don't care who you are, you know, we're the best, right? So there was a rivalry of, of anybody who was not a Blackhawk, you know, I was a Blackhawk until the year prior, but uh, yeah, there was that, there was a, there was a rivalry with the team. Yes. I, I'll definitely confirm that. Did you have that Arusioni moment, right? That, that game when they, when they got beaten, when they were in Sweden or something like that, and Herb Brooks was making them do sprints and, who do you play for? And Ruzioni finally said, you well, know, I, I, I play didn't for have USA. It on, yeah, I didn't have it on the national team level, right? Uh, because of 9-11, right? Because of Rick. Uh, uh, but there was a there was an instance one time where at the club level, we were playing with, you know, I was playing with the Blackhawks and we were in Europe uh, on a tournament. We were playing national teams. We were playing like Sweden, some of the powerhouses, Norway. Canada and we were kicking their ass right so um but you know like the, the score was already like 10 to zip or 10 to 1 and our coach our club coach at the time wanted just to keep racking the points up so it was the opposite kind of 
you know, uh, Herb Brooks moment, it was like, you know, okay, we're beating these guys like, you know, to, yeah, we're beating them to death. Let's just ease up on the pedal. <laughs> he didn't want to do that. So, so he would just, I just remember like going in the third period and we're like up 10 to one or something or 12 or whatever. And God, he was just yelling at us. Like you guys, you guys are, you know, you guys are getting soft. You guys are slowing down. What's wrong with you guys? So it was just weird. Like it wasn't like, you're kidding me. Right. But you know, he was a coach. And so, you know, we, we had to put a few more in the net, I guess, but, but at the, as far as like the, the national team um, to have like a, uh, a really uh you know deep down kind of moment where you're like you know like wow like this I, I you know we gotta we had I think just the experience of having that rivalry uh between um you know Blackhawk players and non-Blackhawk players uh that in itself um was was uh was incredible right to have that rivalry it wasn't a rift I'm not gonna say it's a rift but it was a it was a very, very d- divisive uh, type of environment uh, and to come together, you know, during Salt Lake on top of everything else, on top of the new coach, on top of the new system uh, and, and, uh, and to, to win that first game. Uh, I mean, it's incredible. Right. And that, that softens it up, right. That, that makes people buy into what Rick was trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, they say winning, you know, solves everything, right. Or makes everything feel better. It did. I mean, winning the first game, you know, brought us together a little more. Winning the second game brought us together even more, right? So, so uh, you know, by I think by the gold medal game, we were a very cohesive unit, uh, even more so on the ice uh, than we were off the ice. Did you have to believe as the national team that you were actually better than the Blackhawks team was on its own? Was that part of the? Yeah, I think I think what we came. No, I think what we came to realize was that we needed each other. That 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 without some of the guys from the East Coast or from Dallas, you know, um, we we needed each other, right? So I you know I needed to be the goalie that I was, and I needed my defensemen to be who they were, and my defensemen. You know, they weren't all Blackhawk. You know, uh, former uh, excuse me, uh, club Blackhawk players. There was a mixture, so. I think, like I said, as we began to uh, um, believe in the system and have the system prove to us that we could we could win, uh, it just made all that that chatter and noise kind of go away, right? So, but it, it definitely brought us together, right? And even in, a, in our reunion that we had, uh, it, some of the conversations got deep, right? Um, which will be in a documentary somewhere. <laughs> we had all these cameras with us, and, but uh, but I think. You know, I made a comment that it was just nice to be back with my brothers that I hadn't seen in some of them in 20 years, and that um, the 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 size and of the moment, uh, you know, now that you reflect on it 20 years ago, when you see what the outcome of that moment was from a grassroots perspective and the number of clubs that exploded after, um, really made that rivalry chatter you know, irrelevant. And I actually looked at some of the Blackhawk players, you know, I don't know exactly how I said it, but I basically said, I appreciate you more today uh, as, as uh, my teammate and my brother, regardless of what happened in the past is basically what I was saying. And as I was looking at some of the Blackhawk players, they were like looking at me, like nodding their head. So they, you know, we connected, we had a moment. 
Well, you hope you had a moment because one, you won the gold medal. <laughs> yeah, we had a big moment. <laughs> I mean, the, the ultimate underdog that wins the gold medal, but then you got inducted into the Hall of Fame for that amazing moment. And you helped start a run where, you know, I mean, obviously you took a little dip in 2006 and won the bronze, yeah. but yeah. it's been gold medals for the U.S. sled hockey team ever since. Yeah, I, I knew. I mean, you know, I was there at the beginning when John um, started the sport. Uh, I accidentally ran into him. That's how I got involved. But I also helped them off the ice with all the administrative stuff, the letter writing to USA Hockey, uh, schmoozing, the lunches with Walter Bush and Peter Lindbergh. And, and so from an administrative standpoint, I was also kind of his right hand, you know. And so to see, I knew that the goal was to have us someday be run by our NGB, you know, USA Hockey. They're not perfect by any means, but they, on paper, they're, they have a really good structure. They're probably one of the best organized NGBs in any sport. And that's national um, governing bodies. National so government, yeah, sorry. Yep. With and the so, able-bodied national governing body, which in a lot of ways is, I mean, you talk about Paralympic sport, it's, it's the highest level of sport. Correct. And you want to be included with the highest level of sport. Correct. Right. So and obviously with Rick and Tommy too, you had some great coaches who were involved on the highest level as well. So they expected from you what they expected from any other hockey players that they're working with, any other top level hockey players. Like, hey, don't give me excuses, like do what you're supposed to do. Right. So I knew I so I knew that the long term vision right for John and where the sport should be uh, is under, you know, national governing body of hockey and in this case, USA hockey. So I think combined with the explosion of athletes of kids and clubs that started after we won gold to have that administrative side, you know, kind of fall in line after 2006 and uh, and eventually have them take over. I knew it was a good thing. Right. And so. Uh, um, to be included uh, in, in, in that organization, uh, to be registered like any other hockey player, right? To have a national tournament uh, to, to compete for at all the, you know, all the levels. Uh, it's come a long way. And, and there's a lot of people that made the sport bigger and, and better um, after, you know, we left the game. And I recognize those people as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, I'm, it's, yeah, I feel like a proud papa, you know? be honest <laughs> well take us back a little bit to 2002 and building that momentum so you beat japan first yeah and then and then you flip the sheet and and then it's and, and then you keep winning do, do you keep believing that you're going to win that's part of being an athlete isn't it that you yeah i mean i get on know, the ice and believe you're supposed yeah, to yeah i mean if you know we train so hard right and and, and, and to have, you know, to have a roster of 15 guys come together, uh, you know, team sports, I think, is a little bit more difficult to, to, to get to that moment, right, where everybody has to be on the same page, everything has to be aligned, everybody has to believe. So I, you know, going into those games, you know, I knew we could win a gold medal. Uh, it's how we did it that freaks me out, right? And so... Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, it, you know, you talk about the rivalry, yeah, right? You talk about the lack of competition, you know, uh, post 9-11, you know, not seeing any international competition at all, not anything. So you were uh, your own rivalry. I mean, practice pretty is, much. is effectively like a scrimmage. This is the rivalry. Pretty much, right? To have a new coach, sets of coaches, uh, uh, to to just come off a really bad experience at the same, you know, St. E Center, right, in Salt Lake. 
Um, you know, you had all this stuff going on in my head. Personally, I had all this stuff in the go, going on in my head. And obviously, once it's game time, you shove it out and you, you, you know, you, you get in the zone. And then, and then, you know, to have Rick break down each game and, and, and you know, if we win, turn the sheet, MVP of the player gets the puck and he gets to go over the easel and do whatever he wants marking wise and then turn the sheet. So that, that to me was like a really psych, a really easy psychological reset for the next game. You know, I mean, I do that anyways, because I, if I let a goal in, uh, I forget about it really quick. Right. I don't let it bother me. Uh, and so um, I can't remember if it was Norway that we played the second game or if it was Canada. Um, Canada was, I think, I want to say that Canada might've been our third game. I'd have to look it up, but I, I remember about the Canada game was that uh, Pierre Pichette, uh, one of, one of the, my all time, you know, uh, all time, you know, uh, incredible goalie for team Canada. Um, he was kind of in the back, back end of his career, uh, but still good. I mean, that dude had an incredible glove hand and I looked up to him. So we, we kind of went back and forth in tournaments, this and that. And then, but to actually, you know, light them up for, I think the, I don't care if the score is five, one uh, uh, and to actually retire him officially, because I think they changed goalies after the second uh, where, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, got his start. I can't remember a single lamp from team Canada, Paul Rosen. Yeah. My counterpart, Paul Rosen. That's, that's how his career started with an ass whooping. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> don't mean to laugh. But, but that to me was a huge eye opener because Canada and, and Norway were favored to be in the gold medal game. So to come in and beat up on Canada the way we did, and the crowd was a crazy intense. Like they, it was so loud in there. Um, I'll never forget that. I mean, we just lit them up. Do you have that moment where you're like, we seem like we're pretty good. Do you think we're as good as we think we are? Like I said earlier, I think that Norway game for me personally, where we won two to one, it was a low scoring game, obviously low shots, you know, maybe I think it faced eight or 12 shots, but that was an intense game. There was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of huge scoring opportunities, good saves by goal, you know, by myself and the other goaltender that to me, once we got past that game, I was like, mm, we're onto something here. You know, me personally, right in my head, I'm like, this is the hump that I needed to get over and uh, we're in a good spot. So psychologically for me personally, that was the game that told me that uh, we were about to do something special. Yeah. Could you believe that going into the gold medal game? Cause you hadn't been there. Like, I guess some of you <clears throat> have been there in other tournaments in other places against some of the same competition, but yeah. not as the U S team. I don't think, I don't think I, I don't think I appreciated the the level of what was about to happen. You know, I, I knew it was a gold medal game, but I didn't, it was important. And I reflected on it. I remember going on the, on, in the box before the game started and just hanging out and letting my thoughts, you know, take me uh, on my journey, right. From where I started. Um, and it was really quiet in the rink. Um, but I really, for me personally, the gold medal game for me, didn't really start until the game started. Like, you know, for me, the gold medal game brought me back to where I started, my roots, my parents, my family, volunteers, number of coaches, all the people that helped you along the way. Um, I don't think I realized the, the magnitude of that game until we dropped the puck, right? Until, I mean, yeah, you get the, you know, you get the heavy jeebies before the games and everybody has their superstition, 
but I kind of looked at it as as a you know another um, not another gold medal game, just another you know hey you know we we can go for all the marbles here. It wasn't until we got into the game right that I started warming up. You know, I started peeking out and looking at the looking at the eight thousand fans or whatever that was there, uh, the standing room only section. My family. Um, that's when it started to like you know really 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 sink in, and then then I had to shut it off right to get to get into the into in the game mode right. Well, I showed up at that game, so my my events had ended, my skiing events had ended, and my girlfriend at the time and I went to that game, and and there were ten family members staying at my house and they were exhausted from going back and forth to the mountain. So, so none of them wanted to go down. So we had extra tickets Yes, and, and people are trying to scalp tickets in the parking lot. They're offering us, you know, three times, four times, you know, face value or whatever. And I was like, no, 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 we can't do that. But, but, you know, people are trying to, I mean, like how flattering is that? It's crazy. Like, it's people like, want to pay more than face value to get in. Do you remember how much tickets were? You know, I don't there? remember. I, want like, I mean, they were like twenty-five dollars or yeah, they're like twenty-five dollars. And so I think Chris Vance pointed out that he's like uh, he comes in the locker room. He's like, "Yo, you're not gonna believe this, but some family members are outside, and there's like some dudes selling tickets for like 70, 80 bucks." <laughs> so how i was flattering is that like that's the most flattering thing possible yeah it, it you know it, and you know after the game and all the hubbub and everything was over um you know to have my family there was i mean that's a it's a it's a fairy tale ending for me personally but to look at the crowd and see some dudes with their shirts off you know kick at kick ice i think it was uh, somebody some kids had like you know to have the beer flow in, you know, I mean, it, it was a hockey game and, and I had, I, I had never felt, felt it to that level, right. Where it felt like a genuine hockey game. Most of our games are low in attendance, right. Anywhere you go. So to have this thing just rocking and loud, you know, to have, you know, to have the, I can't remember the announcers that were, uh, were chosen uh, for our game, you know, to have those guys hang out with us and actually try our equipment, try skating, try getting in the net. Uh, and to have them announce the game the way they did, uh, and then to look up and just see this mob of people, it was insane. Like it's, it's, it'll be forever etched in my, my, my psyche, my brain. Yeah. The mob of people, the scalpers, Norway scores first though. Yes. Yep. What did that do to you mentally? You forget about it. You know, it was, uh, I think if I replay the shot, I'm trying to replay the shot. I think he came, I think it was Pedersen came in right down the middle and he went from left to right. And I think, uh, I think what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name, not Helgi Bjornstad, but they got up, right? You forget about that goal and, and, and you talk to your defenseman and you're like, all right, let's get him back. Right. So you believed, I mean, you're still there. Yeah, no, you can't. We've done our Cinderella thing. We yeah, you can't, you can't, you know, I, like I said, I'm really good at forgetting about the, the last go I let in. So I just like, all right, tip your cap. Let's go. Let's go get it. And I just talked, I just yelled at my defenseman. And, and when I say yell, you know, words of encouragement, let's go, let's get it back. And boy, did we get back? We got what? Three, three we goals. Three. We went up three, one. I mean, Joe had two within 67 seconds, right? Yeah. And the building was loud. It was crazy loud. It was one of the first, one of the, one of the moments where I'm skating to the corner after the goal and I just come back to my net to reset. 
And I just remember, I usually never look at the crowd, but I had to look at a crowd because it was so loud. And I just remember people going bananas, you know. So then I got back to my crease reset and away we went. And then they, uh, then they came back and tied it, you know. And, and uh, you know, there was a couple of defensive breakdowns that we had, uh, a couple of mistakes, some turnovers. And, and they are who they are. I mean, they're not, they're not the defending gold medalists for no reason, right? They had some very powerful skaters and uh, very smart skaters. So uh, to get back to three, you know, three all was intense. It was super intense. And it's kind of funny because before the game, uh, Rick, I asked Rick uh, what the shootout list uh, came, you know, who was going to shoot. I just want to know, like in my head, I just like, you know, I've been in so many shootouts, like, Hey, who's, who's on the, you know, who's on the menu. And he tells me and I'm like, oh, yeah, good. And, uh, and I said, I said, and I said, jokingly to him, I was like, yeah, you know, if it comes to this, we got it. It's in the bag, you know? So, so, <laughs> so it came to that, but uh, you know, the overtime, I do remember the overtime. As a matter of fact, one of the hits or penalties that, that uh, Norway had, took one of their best shooters out of the, sh uh, the shootout list. Yeah. So he could not be on the list if you were, if you ended in a penalty in overtime. So that took him out. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. I didn't think, I mean, I didn't think much of it other than, I mean, he's, you know, he's not going to, not, not going to shoot, you know, be on the shootout. Uh, and, uh, and if I replay the shootout, right. It, uh, it, you know, the first two shots were good shots, man. You know, Pedersen came in. I knew exactly what he was going to do. He does it all the time, and I just couldn't get a piece of the puck. And then Helgi came. Helgi is the one. Helgi is the one out of the, all the shots I faced uh, of the shots I faced. And he's the one that really just fooled me, right? He gave me a head shoulder fake, and I went one way. He went the other. Um, and uh, when I came back to the bench after the first two goals, I remember Rick looking over at me and saying, "Are you going to stop anything?" <laughs> <laughs> you know valid and, question yes and that got me fired up you know it did it, it it got me got me juiced up and i went back and i was a little bit more aggressive on, on the angles i came out a little further in the last few shots and and um you know i i think the last shooter i didn't give him, i didn't give him a whole lot to shoot at right hit the outside of the post um so uh yeah the rest is history but yeah that uh that uh, that's how it went down <laughs> <laughs> Rick had said, you know, he put together his list, but he said he didn't think he'd need it. You know, put together the shootout list, but didn't think it would come to that. Yeah. But then, but then it came to it. How heightened is that on an emotional level that you get there? You've played to a tie through three periods, through a 10 minute overtime, and then it's five shooters. And that's just, mono e mono right just just the shooter and the goalie and that's it which is so different than the rest of hockey yeah What's, do you feel like you had an advantage in terms of who you are yeah i mean i i was cop like i i 100 believe right in my statement before the game that i told rick that hey we got this if it comes down to shoot i mean i believe that i believed i was one of i was the best goaltender in that tournament Right. Uh, some games, the puck looked as big as a watermelon and as slow as molasses. Right. So uh, when you're in the zone, um, I was in the zone in that tournament. I think I let three goals in. I don't remember what my goals against, but it was like nine, seven, ninety seven, something. So it was it, more that and then three that game. Right. I yes. Yeah, correct. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So it was I, I, 
I got this, you know, and when it came to the shootout, I didn't really think, I mean, was it stressful a little bit, you know, but you're in the zone, you kind of just like go to your, go through your routines. Uh, who's our first shooter. Here we go. Get out on the ice, come back in the box and just rotate, you know, in and out and try to make, you know, try to get a piece of the puck. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, it just, to me, it didn't feel, uh, procedurally, it didn't feel any different than any other shootout I've been in. Right. It, granted the, the moment was, was intense, but I did the same thing I do every time, you know? Um, so when yeah. you saved him and Lonnie had the, had the opportunity to be the hero, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And, and Lonnie, couldn't, yeah. couldn't convert in the last shot, right? If he had, if he had made that last shot for the U S then, then that's it. Then you win. But then you had to, you had to, had to save the last shot from Norway in order to win. Right. Did that moment feel like a, a, a tectonic shift, you know, in terms of where you were as a team, being the U.S. team, being a team that had won one game coming into it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking at it and going, this is the future, this is the team moving forward, uh, and now we're a powerhouse. Did it feel like that, or what did it feel like? It did. It, I mean, it's certainly, you know, after, right? So, so to your point, yes, Lonnie could have had the world at his feet if he would have made that shot we tease him about it you know could have you know who knows where he'd be today <laughs> 20 years later but uh but you know when, after the tournament you know was over it was like man we're the shit like it's gonna be hard for you know who's gonna hang with us for a while? like you just have that feeling it's, you're so confident as a matter of fact i think it's in the book right but one of the things that i wanted to do personally is to go stick this gold medal in other people's faces that said we would never amount to shit, you know? So who are these people? Well, just athletes from other countries, Canada, you know, I'm not going to name names, but they know who they are. Norway, some Swedish guys, you know? So um, every, you know, most, some, most of the teams, uh, everybody on the team had family, right? So some of my teammates after the post celebration, after the after party, they went back to the hotels, either with their family or whatever, right? A handful of us went back to the village because, you know, there's the after party at the village. And that's where all the hockey players and slot hockey players are going to be. So I wanted to go to the after party. And so my wife at the time, obviously, was upset with me. My kids were upset with me. But I wanted to go stick it in their face and just say, you know what? Hey, what do you think of this around my neck? You know, like, yeah, remember what you said like years ago? How's this, how's this look out? Does it look all right? <laughs> you know, and that's what I did. I went and stuck it right in their faces and they had fun with it. You know, I actually called them out in some, you know, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but next thing you know, I'm surrounded by Canadians and Norwegians and their staff. I'm just having a good old time, but it was really my way of saying, you know, here's for all the shit talk and all the stuff that we, you know, we had to fight for and struggle and we made it, we're on top. So I'm going to go rub it in your face. And that that's, so to your point, right. When you say about how did you feel, you know, was there that tectonic shift? Yeah, there was <laughs> for me personally, there was, so I want to go stick it in your face. Yeah. So how much pride do you take now looking at the team, like looking at the team this year, what they gave up one goal. I mean, this was that that was I take, crazy dominant. Yeah, right? I mean, I take pride. It's different times, though, you know, and, and I don't want to minimize what the accomplishments of the last, you know, three teams that won gold medals. But, um, 
you know, it, it, I'm pr- certainly I'm proud of the program. Certainly, uh, it, you know, it shows how much work we put into it. It also shows the kind of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the fact that we can go find these incredible athletes, right? High functioning athletes uh, that been playing sled hockey since they were four or five or seven or whatever, right? So they've been playing for a number of years. So to have grassroots part of it, yeah, the development. Right, to have that grassroots element that we didn't have as much, right? Uh, it speaks volumes about what we did and what the current, uh, you know, NGB, USA Hockey and its staff and the volunteers and all the clubs, what they're doing. I mean, it's, it's a tribute to them, right? To, to grab the best athletes from all your grassroots, grassroots clubs. Uh, but, when, you know, when you look at the competition today, there is no competition, really. It's, it's you know, when, when, you, when you go into a tournament uh, as a team and you face 12 shots the entire tournament, uh, give me that. Like, I would have loved to have 12 shots the entire tournament, average one or two shots a game. I put a cone in the net. It, you'd probably still win. But I'm teasing. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I, I, I want to see competition. I, I want to see USA Hockey Canada. I want to see US, US, you know, USA, Russia, Norway, whatever, right? I want to see a good nail-biting game. And I haven't seen that in, in a long time, right? So, so the program is well, it's healthy, uh, but all the other countries are not in a good, I don't think they're in a good spot uh, competition-wise. I think, uh, I think Canada... Uh, some of the guys overstayed their welcome as far as age. Uh, so there's going to be a big shift there. I expect the next two, three years of rebuild. Um, I also look at countries like Norway and Sweden who are smaller in demographics. What are they going to do? Um, you know, right now it's a high functioning sport. There's no point system in it. You know, where are they going to go find these, uh, you know, high functioning athletes, amputees, whatever, right? Um, and, and, and inject them right in the same path that maybe some of the young athletes in America have, they, they probably won't. So I don't know, like the future is, uh, I'm curious to see where the sport goes from a competition level, right? And from USA hockey and, and grassroots, we're good. We're going to be solid for a long time. It's that international competition that, that, you know, some of the hockey players would argue that, you know, we need to do something, right? What that is, I have no clue, right? And, you know, our able-bodied programs have experienced that, you know, women's program, uh, Canada, U.S. all the time. Uh, it's gotten better, you know, Sweden, Finland, um, other countries, you know, have, have, you know, have kind of broken into that top two. Um, and, but in sled hockey, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, the, lack of, the lack of competition, I think, is missing, right? Once you get to those gold, gold, gold medal round games, um, yeah. Until you get to the gold medal round games, exactly. Uh, but you know, I mean that that's an entirely different conversation. We can have you back for another conversation, talk about a point system, talk about what we might do to change the game in order to make it more competitive and help that grassroots that development in other countries. You talked about the gold medal. You talked about bringing it to the village. Where have you put that glass trophy? that you got for your Hall of Fame induction? It's still, it, it arrived yesterday evening. Uh, it's still in the mail package from UPS, I think, or FedEx. It's sitting on my kitchen counter. I'm gonna wait till I turn 55, either tonight or tomorrow morning, and I'm gonna open it up and just take it in, hold it for a little bit, maybe take a nap with it. 
<laughs> Maybe take it to the bar. I don't know. I might take it to the bar right after this. <laughs> well, you might have to give us an update as to what happened. Early happy birthday, Manning. Thank you for Appreciate joining it. us. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a total pleasure to have you, man. It really. Oh, and, and and just one more thing before I dip out. Uh, again, we have a book coming out in December called Hockey's Hidden Gods. And then we also have a movie that is, uh, it's called Tough Sledding that's in the make, in the making. And you can visit toughsleddingthemovie.com to kind of keep up on it, right? And see where it is. But thanks, awesome. Chris, again, thank you. No, total pleasure. Great to have you. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. We appreciate you coming back every week. We hope you've enjoyed this. Again, as I say every week, the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends. Tell them to tune in. Tell them to like us. Tell them to follow us. This will be a traditional podcast, and we will look forward to having another great guest next week. Thank you all. Take care, and see you soon.